Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Red Zone Power Play Podcast. This is our third episode of our Hockey Focus. Um, basically, we're going to be going over the last three games for the Penguins. Um, tonight, beat the Capitals in overtime, 5-4, unreal comeback win. Uh, game just finished a few minutes ago. Uh, not sure if Dante and I are still off the high of that win, but uh, uh, two nights ago, they beat the Caps in a shootout. And the night before, uh, game two of the season dropped to the Flyers. Uh, pretty. Pretty weird game. Uh, hard to say if it was really ugly um, or if it was just kind of outplaying them again, similar to game one and not coming away with the uh, result that we're looking for. But Penguins are back to 500. We're at 2-2 two and two right now. Um, you know, it's, it's certainly starting to look better. We're going to give you kind of our three biggest takeaways um, that we've noticed these last, uh, these last three games. If there's any overlap, obviously we'll just kind of move past it. Um, but we'll do our best to kind of give you a uh, – a good breakdown, you know, of a, a 5-2 loss to the Flyers and then a 4-3 and 5-4 shootout and overtime win over the Capitals. So, um, Dante, I'll let you take it away with your first uh, your first big thing here. Yeah, so my first big thing, well, mostly from the last couple of games, but I guess you could tie it into the Philly game too, is, you know, the play of Casey to Smith. Um, we all, I know we've talked about on the podcast how we believe Tristan Jari is going to be the guy for the Penguins in the end, but um, with him kind of struggling a little bit at the beginning of the year, he got yanked uh, halfway through the first period of that Philadelphia game. So um, he's kind of fighting that a little bit right now. You know, we, we have no doubt that he's going to be the guy in the end, but um, I, th- I think for the Penguins, especially after starting 0-2, we have to talk about Casey DeSmith and him being able to kind of come in and right the ship and get them back to 500. I think that's going to pay off big time for them in the end, um, especially with the 56 game shortened season. And I know he had a couple goals, um, especially tonight, the second goal where it just kind of bounced off his shoulder and went in and, you know, the third, the third goal, I mean, it was kind of a tough save for him, but you you know, you like your goaltender to make that save too at that point. But um, early on, I know he made a save to keep it at one, nothing on Tom Wilson. So that, that was big there. And then, there was a three on O, I believe the Peng- the Penguins gave up and when it was four to four. So, um, you know, he played huge yet. He actually got his first career assist on the Teddy Bluger goal, which was nice. And that's pretty much what turned this game around was the, the shorthanded goal on the five on three. So, um, I, I think we have to kind of put our fingers on Casey DeSmith and, you know, point at his play and really bring up how important he's been the last couple of games and getting them back on track. I agree. I think that, uh, you know, like I said, kind of in our season preview, um, Casey DeSmith was going to be a good backup for the team. Certainly you don't want him playing, you know, several games on top of one another because you don't want to see, um, one, this many goals given up, but two, um, Jari to kind of struggle the way he has and not get his confidence back. But um, I think really the big key out of the, out of DeSmith tonight was his ability to just kind of stay calm after a really bad first period. I mean, you look at, First period was 3-1, won the game 5-4, clearly kept us in it, um, like you said, as assist. But I think uh, my big takeaway, especially from tonight's game, was the way the Stars got into it. You know, uh, Sid and Gino were pretty invisible uh, in the first period. Um, I mean, that's kind of why we were down 3-1, but whole, Gino's whole been... Was, to be fair. <laughs> well, yeah, in all fairness, everybody but Kasperi Kapanen was just totally invisible. Um, we'll touch on that later, but... Um, yeah, I mean, it was it's bad. I mean, Malkin's looked really bad all year. Um, well, all year, all three games. <laughs> he's just been quiet, um, but he's always kind of been a slow starter. You know, aside from that rookie year when he came in and scored about like seven goals in seven games. Um, if scored his first game. Yeah, I mean, he 
he just he's always been a slower starter, and that's fine. You know, uh, there's nothing wrong with that because when one's slow, the other one picks it up. And you saw that in Philly. Sid scored a couple goals. Gino didn't really do anything. You know, tonight both of them were very involved. Um, I just got to say that the way that those two stepped up and their lines took off. I mean, once Tanev got moved to that second line with uh, Malkin and uh, Zucker, I don't really see Zucker's name or hear it as much, but I heard it tonight, and I heard Tanev's name, and I heard Malkin's name. There were some real legitimate minute-and-a-half shifts that that line and then whoever on D was out there with them was just dominating. I mean, there was there was that string of, what, two icings in a row the Caps committed where the Malkin line dominated the Caps in their own end for like 45 seconds, and they iced it, and then the Sid line with uh, with Gensel and um, was Kapanen out there at that point? I think it was Erod. Either way, I mean, whoever was out there, Erod, dude, they, they just dominated him. And you could see that it wasn't so much the wingers pushing play to the centers. It was the centers driving everything, feeding guys, grabbing pucks off rebounds, stealing pucks. You know, it was just classic Sid and Gino. They look like they're still 28 years old. You know, they, uh, they still play like it. And it's kind of unreal the way that they're playing right now. So, um, I mean, I got to be honest with you. I think that if they keep playing like this, now granted the first period needs to like get cleaned up and get a hot start. But if you can play the way you did second, third period in overtime, this is a scary team. Scary team. Yeah, I mean, and it's kind of a common theme through the last couple, I'd say last three games or so, where they've kind of started off kind of slow in the first period. And then as the game, like the second period has been one of the best periods for them, like out of all the four games, like they've massively outplayed everyone, all of their opponents in the second period every game this year, no matter if they won or lost. So, um, you know, much like, one of their leaders in Malkin, I think this team's kind of just like you said, you know, kind of a slower, slower mover, slower starter at the beginning of the year. Looks like they're starting to take that into the beginning of the games a little bit. I think that's just, you know, like we talked about a lot on the podcast, a lot of new names, two new head coaches behind the bench. I think that's eventually going to fix itself. And and I think that, you know, it, it's big for this team because it, in the past you would just see the Penguins kind of just roll over and things would snowball and they would just basically just roll over and die. But um, you know, tonight they didn't give up necessarily. I mean, they weren't playing good at all. You could tell they kind of, I don't know. They, did, they didn't think, looked like they knew the game started for about 20 minutes into the game, but, um, the fact that they stuck with it, kept going with it. I think that shows a lot of progress compared to years past and, you know, call it luck, call it thievery, whatever you want, but there was a lot of guts involved in this win and, you know, they're not going to not take the two points and I'm not, I'm not going to take the two points. So, I mean, it, it's a big win for them. And if they can just stick with it and, you know, keep, keep grinding together, start gelling together. I think this is going to be a potentially dangerous team headed into the end of the season. Like you said, I agree. And I think it's, you know, something we touched on in our first hockey episode was that the Penguins have always been that team that just kind of like, eh, they don't really need to start super hot because they know when to turn it on. They know that yeah. at the end of the season playoffs, you know, that's when it matters. Um, mm-hmm. And certainly it's good to get the footing under themselves now, um, especially, like you said, the chemistry with the new guys. I mean, you got Matheson, who's on IR right now, um, probably not going to be back for, I would say, six weeks is longer term uh, in Sully in Sully land. Um, but <laughs> even with Matheson out, you know, yeah, well, it's six weeks or it's six months, so who knows. But, uh, you know, Pedersen goes down, Ricola goes down, and my second big point was the D and how they stepped up. You know, Pedersen goes out from a nasty hit. Um, I didn't really see what happened to Rico. Probably Sully just didn't want him out there. Um, I missed that too. 
Yeah, I, I didn't see it, but you know, we all know Sully throws him out as a winger more than he throws him out as a defender. So, um, <laughs> I think for me, the biggest key out of this was not only was John Marino playing with someone that he's never really played with and Chad Ruedel, but you had your top pair. So I think it, it really lessened the blow of losing Pedersen and Ricola, knowing that you saw Dumo and Latang. Um, those two, they they were like identical twins tonight. Like every pass, they knew it was coming to them before it was even out of the other guy's stick. Um, so, you know, it was nice to see those two kind of rounding into form. And that's the biggest thing for this team um, defensively is if those two can stay on the same page, healthy, together, they are one dangerous pairing. Um, because, you know, people don't really think of Dumoulin in an offense, but he can bring it. I mean, if he needs to, he... Yeah, I think he could put up 30 points and 30 points for Dumo is like a hundred for, you know, Jake, but yeah. um, I, I think he can really drive play. Not only is he a good PK guy, he's sneaky quick. He's not going to burn you, but mm-hmm. um, he can close space quickly. You know, those big powerful strides that Bob Airy is always talking about. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and uh, we I mean, all know what, I, go ahead. I, I've always felt like Dumo has had the chance to be a, a more dominant two-way guy like with his offensive game i just don't i think part of it too goes with him playing with chris letang knowing he kind of has to be more conservative he's gonna have to cover for him more just because of the nature of the player that chris letang is but i just remember back in that 2018 whenever um kuznetsov scored in double o- or the overtime to beat us in game six he was like, I, I never saw him play like that before in my life. And I was like, man, if he could just play like this all the time, like he was jumping mm-hmm. in the play, he was, he had confidence, his head was up, he was driving, like driving the rush, he was jumping in, activating, shooting pucks on net, you know, like if he could just like it's there, it's just I don't know if he it, it might it would is it like a confidence issue or is it maybe like you know it's because he's playing with Chris Letang. I don't know, but it's definitely there. And I think I, I know I texted you during the game like we need to see more of that out of Brian Dumoulin. I think truthfully, you're you hit the nail on the head with it being because he plays with Chris Letang. He knows that playing with Chris Letang comes with its nuances and its difficulties because he's a guy that always has had immense physical gifts. Not necessarily the hockey IQ that you know a top defenseman would have, um, but his physical gifts have always far outweighed any negatives. Um, now that gap's slowly closing as he gets older. Um, but you think about it, when Dumo came to the Penguins and he first got paired with Latang, Latang was like 29, and Latang was one of the best offensive style de- defensemen in the league. Um, and Dumo only literally had to do was just stand at the blue line and then learn how to skate backwards because Latang wasn't going to be anywhere close. <laughs> um, but I do think it comes from that because he's always going to keep an eye on Latang pinching and start on the rush back um, and get ahead of the forwards because he knows that. Latang's going to catch behind most of the time, whoever's skating with the puck. Um, but you always have to have someone, you know, deep and, you know, between the goalie and obviously the forwards, there's not a breakaway. But um, I think Dumo really just, he could bring it, but I don't think he's going to really jump in as much as he could just simply because he's trying to play with Latang. I think if you have Dumo and Marino, you do see 30, 35 points out of Dumo. But with Latang, you're going to see that like 20 maybe 25 tops. So yeah. I, I definitely got to say though, they did a good job reared and handled the uh, shorthanded defense core. Well, um, and I don't know if you caught it, but Marino signaling Latang for a change in OT literally led to that goal. Yeah, uh, you couldn't tell who came off and who went on. It looked like the same guy was still out there. It was so seamless. Um, mm-hmm. 
it was a great change. And Marino, my God, I can't wait to see him so in like good. two, three years, dude. He is just so good. <laughs> and the stick with the defense, kind of want to get to our last point here um, from this game. It's something that drives me crazy. I'm sure it drives you crazy. I'm sure it drives a lot of other people crazy too. But when this team, I mean, and it's a good thing and a bad thing. When adversity shows itself to this team, they know how to respond and they respond in the correct fashion. Last season we saw with all the injuries, everyone said they're dead in the water. They ended up being seventh in the, I think, points percentage or something in the league last year. Today, we saw it again, like you said, shorthanded on the on defense for the entire third period. I think they had like three guys play over 20 minutes today, or four guys play over 20, 20 minutes. I think Dumo and Latang were up to like 27, 28 minutes. That sounds um, about right. I think Marino and Ruido were like 22 and 24. Yeah, because I know Pedersen was at 11 and Rico was at 8, and none of those guys came back on the ice after that point. So, I mean, when adversity shows itself, this team, it just respond, it knows how to respond. I know it probably goes back to them being a veteran team with uh, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, guys that have been here before, know how to keep the course. But at the same time, it drives us crazy because when they finally get a break, when they get a healthy lineup, they just can't seem to put it together. It's almost like they play better. Whenever, you know, they have adversity, whenever they have a challenge thrown at them, you know, when Sid's out, Malkin comes in, leads the league in points. When Malkin's out, vice versa, you know, and we've seen that throughout both of their careers where they just set the world on fire. One of the, one one's out and the other's in. So um, I, I think that's another thing that we saw today is that pattern continue to show that when the adversity, adversity shows itself in front of this team, they know how to respond and they just they take it full speed, take a bull by the horns and just run with it. Definitely. And uh I think my last point on this game, especially, um, and even kind of you know last game and the the sec the second game in Philadelphia is special teams. They the first game was terrible. I mean, we gave up I think like three or four power play goals, and mm-hmm. um, power play ourselves was like one for five. Um, tonight we were two for three on the power play and two of two on the PK, um, even killing a, a five on three when Teddy Bluger scored that shorthanded goal. Shorthanded um, goal was huge. huge. That was massive. I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. I missed the Matt Cook one that they said was the other most recent, and I certainly didn't see whatever was before that. <laughs> um, but I think they've really kind of figured out puck movement. You know, game one, we came out on here after in our reaction and uh, ratted on the uh, the slingshot a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Slingshot went away pretty quick after uh, they realized it didn't work. So um, maybe they're the listening. Slingshot gone. Hmm? Maybe they're listening to the podcast. Hey man, maybe you never know. Um, <laughs> I think it's funny though because you you saw the same style power play that the Penguins ran when Reardon was here before, minus the slingshot. Um, you know, especially tonight, I noticed it on the uh, the last power play we had. Um, Latang skated up, passed it to Malkin at uh, at center ice, and Malkin hit. Uh, I think it was Russ skating in along the right wing wall, and just no messing around get the puck in the zone, stop waiting and, you know, getting caught in a trap because that's the way you beat a trap is you literally just skate the puck through. Mm-hmm. It sounds too yeah, simple to be true. Spot. Exactly. And, and the whole thing that they try to do all the time is, oh, well, oh, let's just, you know, see, see who can skate the hardest and the fastest right into three guys. Mm-hmm. Why? And there's no need. I mean, <laughs> You're not going to gain anything from that. And truthfully, this is a team that does better when they get themselves set up. So the longer you take to get set up, the harder it's going to be you know, to get in the zone, but not only to get in the zone, 
to actually get your power play set. You're going to have the other team pushing along the wall and the dumps, and then they're going to keep shooting the puck out. It's just never going to work. So, you know, the special teams and the bottom six have just been huge. Um, the bottom six, just unbelievable. I mean, truthfully, but an unpleasant, or a pleasant surprise. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I won't walk back my opinion on Colton Sevier. <laughs> um, I flamed him pretty hard, uh, in our preseason, but also, uh, uh, game one recap. Uh, <laughs> I told you guys that, uh, I wouldn't stop flaming him. I'm still not going to stop flaming him if he, you know, doesn't do something, but like he's been doing stuff. He scored two goals. He plays really hard. Um, he brings an element that kind of like Matt cook brought, not the dirty hits, but you know, hard on the body, fast in on the puck. And he just doesn't mess around. He just skates. And that's the nice thing to see out of a guy that's, you know, he knows his role. He knows that his role is to, um, like he did tonight, play eight minutes and 38 seconds, score a goal, two hits, three shots on goal. Heck, he even won three face-offs. I mean, what more can you ask from the guy to play eight and a half minutes? So um, he's certainly stepped into a role. He's certainly playing really well. Um, you know, and it's really nice to see Teddy Bluger chipping in. Um, face-offs tonight, though, unreal. They kept saying it all broadcast. Disgusting. Sid was 18 or 16 and three. Bluger six and two. Malkin seven and six. Sevier three and one. Jankowski seven and nine. So, um, this team played a really good game and they can really make some noise, I think. Um, yeah, it, and, uh, just to touch real quick on the your special teams note, I texted you during the game when the Penguins had that five on three. Mm-hmm. And especially in the bubble in Toronto last fall. Penguins just had five on three after five on three, and they just kept blowing it. And you knew that it was going to come back to bite them, and they weren't going to win the game, basically just because they're not capitalizing on these chances that they're getting. And it was frustrating and infuriating with the amount of talent that they put out there on the ice that they just continuously could not score on five on threes. And I texted you tonight, and I said, you know, they got a five on three, they're down four to two. This is their chance to come back in the game. This is ultimately the game right here. It was. So, and was it four two or four three? I forget. I think it was four. It was four two because that was the Gensler goal to make it four three, and then the last power play tied it at four four. Yes. Um. So I, I remember I texted you. I was like, "This is literally the game right here." I think it was three one actually. Uh, it might have been either. I mean, either way, the the five on three was something that's plagued this team for yeah years. They just don't know how to not. score on it. Yeah, I, I was like, if they don't score here, much like they didn't do in, in Toronto last fall, the, the, this game's over. And they finally found the way to get able to score that that goal in the 5-1-3. So um, I think it's mm-hmm. progress. And, you know, like you said, this team could be dangerous if they put it all together. So I think big old Todd came in and told them, you guys are some of the best hockey players in the world. Stop with the whole, like, perfect lane thing. I don't care just if shots get blocked. Puck. Just shoot the puck. Just shoot and it, you can man. definitely see a concerted effort mostly by, um, I'd say, Malkin, Rust, and uh, some of the other non-power play defensemen. They're just shooting now. Latang's doing a lot of passing. Sid's doing a lot of passing, but that's been him since he won the Rocket in 17. I think he just doesn't really care anymore to score goals. Um, (laughs) Unless they're there, he doesn't – I mean, you know Sid. Like, he's not out there to score goals. He's there to help his team win however however he can. So, you know, like in the power play or in the overtime, you know, skated right up the middle of the ice. There's a rebound and tucked it home. But otherwise, you know, you look at his stats last year and – he was at a 16 and 31, so he kind of stopped scoring. But uh, 
Yeah, I think that I think this team just needs to simplify their game, play a little more straightforward, and stop with the whole uh, you know just prima donna crap. Just play hockey. Yeah. Speaking of straightforward, let's talk about Kasperi Kapanen for a little bit. Oh man, what do think animal. about his debut? Oh my! His, from his first shift, you can just tell there's a different level of speed. That you know, it's funny. I uh, the first thing that quote that popped in my head was they showed a sideline report uh, in like the 2000. It was the Super Bowl 40 when Willie Parker had that 75 yard run, yep. and one of the Steelers players said, "There's no substitution for speed. That boy is speed." Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, there is no substitution for speed, especially in hockey. <laughs> That dude can fly and change direction. Oh, my. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's unreal. Every time he touched the puck, something good happened. I mean, he yep. flat-out created Sevier's goal. Um, and just there were a couple shifts where that fourth line had legit zone pressure for 30, 40 seconds, and he was mm-hmm. the center of it. Yeah, and I think they really set the tone because throughout the beginning parts of this game, we saw a lot of – Big things have been happening with the Penguins over the last couple of games is they're getting chances, but they're a lot of one and dones. Like they're not getting that sustained, you know, like pressure where you can almost feel a goal coming, right? They're just getting, you know, one and dones out of the zone. I think that line in particular, especially on that goal, on Seaver's goal, where they just, you know, they had the sustained pressure. You could feel it was coming and, it, you know, they just crashed the net and good things happen. So um, I think. Kapanen's going to be a great fit on this team. I know a lot of people were upset over the cost to get him being the first round pick this year. So um, I, I understand that, but ultimately that first round pick last year, wasn't going to be able to help this team win now. And I, I think we can say, I mean, it's only been one game, but I, I think Kasperi Kapanen is going to help this team now and in the, the next coming years. So um, I, I think that was well, you know, a price well paid. Kapanen's going to be an absolute, Dynamite in this lineup. He's going to be just an absolute spark plug. Um, it, it's fascinating to see where. Sully will roll four, finally. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but then do you really trade a first-round pick for a fourth-liner, though, at the, at the same time? But is he really a fourth-liner if he plays the PK and power play roles that he's going to play? That's true. I mean, I think, truthfully to me, we don't really have a fourth-line. We have two-thirds. Um Obviously, you have 1A and 1B, and you have 3A and 3B in my eyes because Sid and Gino, I mean, Sid's line is always the one line, and it's always going to be. Gino's line, though, some nights can be 1A to Sid's 1B. Um, Depends on the matchups. Well, exactly. I mean, if you're playing Boston, you know Gino's line has to step up because Bergeron and Marchand are going to shut down Jake and uh, Sid. Yep. But if you're playing a, a team like Philly, where Couturier is on the second line, you know they're going to see Gino the whole night, so Sid has to step up. And that's exactly what happens. Every time we play Philly, Gino does next to nothing in comparison to Sid um, oh because God, Couturier dude. makes his life miserable. And he Couturier, he literally turns Gino into a pumpkin every time they play. It's, it's <laughs> insane. perfect example. <laughs> it's, ins- it's insane to me. Ever since he was a rookie back in 2012, like he's just haunted Malkin his entire career. It's, it's yes, he has. fascinating. Well, and you see Katuria and Konechny out there together, that pretty much shuts down anything the Malkin line is going to do. So, um, you know, I think truthfully for me, if you look at the line, if the third line on paper, it's Jankowski, McCann, and either Rust or Tanev, whoever's going to play there. Um, Rust isn't a third liner. He's playing top line minutes because of PP and some power or penalty kill. Well, yep. had him backwards. Um, but I think for me, the Bluger line, if you keep capping in there, 
you're going to play them more than 10 minutes a night, and Kapanen's going to play more than 10. He's going to be on PP2. He might even move up to the first one. He's going to be on a penalty kill line. He's going to play in your five on three. He's probably going to start playing three on three. Um, oh, yeah. Four on four, that dude is a, is going to be a machine. You give him that kind of open ice, let alone three on three, oh, he's going to skate circles around people. I just think you have to get Sid someone better than um, Rodriguez. That's, that's, well, that's my only thing. That's why I think Kapanen has to play. Well, we all know that. Kapanen's going to slide up to at least the second line, um, and that, whether that means Rust goes to the top line or Tanev goes up there, um, whatever happens, I think that once Zach Aston Reese is healthy, they might put back together that Zar Tanev Bluger line. Um, uh, I don't, I don't know how I feel about. I don't know that. if you do, but you know, it, it's certainly going to be interesting. I don't think Erod's got a set place now that Kapanen's back, especially if he's playing like that. Um, Erod just kind of looks, I don't know, clumsy out there compared to these other guys. So, yeah. Um, that's just kind of my evaluation, but scored a goal. He's playing decent. Um, but yeah, Kapanen's debut was unbelievable. I mean, I think Rodriguez has earned at least a spot, at least a shot at the fourth line if you're going to put Kapanen up there. And I, th- I think if that does happen, I think he's earned the chance to play, you know, the 10, 11 minutes a night, you know, just rolling oh, four lines. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. Is, is, is Sullivan going to do it? I don't know, but, yeah, you know, that's still to be seen. But um, yeah, Kapanen. Absolutely fantastic in his debut. He only played 10 minutes, but you could just see the impact that he had on the game tonight and what he's going to have on this team in the coming future. So, For sure. Um, but definitely good uh, good game tonight, good game the other night. Glad to see Kapanen out there and uh, hope for the best on the injury front for Patterson and uh, Ricola. So um, we'll be back with, uh, with another hockey episode next week for you guys. Uh, wanted to get a quick one out, um, give you our thoughts on the Penguins these last few games, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, guys. See you.